Get your Bibles, if you will. Go to Romans chapter 1, everybody. Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hand. Two verses. It's the Word of God. If it was just one word that was my text today, Jesus, that would be a sermon series. It's just the Word. It's the right Word. And all the words of God are the right words. Romans chapter 1, please, verse number 16 and verse number 17. This will be lesson number 6. In a series of lessons entitled Counterfeit Christianity, I read the words of the Apostle Paul. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greeks. For in it, meaning in the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. There are four words I've underlined in these two verses that might be something you'd consider. It is in verse 16, the word power. Same verse. The word salvation. Few words over, the word believes. And in verse 17, the word righteousness. On those three words, four words, pardon me. I want to put this word today, given to me from the Lord, entitled, I am not ashamed. But I'll put you on notice, I didn't get to the first word in the first service. I just got to the intro stuff. Because something got in my shoes beside my feet. Something got running up and down my spine beside sweat. And I'm just subject to explode all over and blame the Holy Ghost. Whoo! I feel it already. Stretch your hands my way and let's ask God to make us one. This is not a show or entertainment. You didn't come for that. We came for a visitation of the power of God. Pray for me, would you? Oh God, that song just sung has given me an extra bonus. Because I can make it in this sermon, but I don't want it to be Alan, and I don't want it to be my flesh. But I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want anybody else here to be ashamed. The first service is over, and it's recorded in history. But this is another service, and these are different people, some, most of us. Oh God, so I ask you today to release your power, your anointing, your fire, your wisdom into our lives. Make us one at your table, the Word of God. I rebuke distractions in the name of Jesus. I rebuke other kinds of things that will pull at us while the Spirit is trying to direct us to His will. So fill us with your Spirit and change us by the power of your Word. And to which everybody would say amen. Amen it is. Thank you and you may be seated. I think that you might want to thumb over to to Acts chapter 9 and hold it there. Uh, That should I get there, you'll already be... Would already have arrived. This I am not ashamed phrase comes from a man whose name is Paul. Most of you know him as Paul because that's his name change by the Lord as a result of his conversion. Being saved, coming to Christ. 
His B.C. name was Saul. B.C., not the powder you put and drink for headaches. Before Christ, or if you prefer, before conversion. Let me, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of God, let's just tell you a little bit about this, why this phrase has such power. And why he could make such a declaration for which he had been tested and would be tested. The first time you see Paul, whose name was Saul, in the scriptures, is in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 58 and 59. We read about him in the context of a mob murder. And he is witnessing and applauding the murder. It is the account in the book of Acts of who we know in the New Testament to be the first Christian martyr. His name is Stephen. Stephen, after the day of Pentecost, full of the boldness of the Holy Ghost, and the power that Jesus said he would give to his disciples after he ascended, that power was given in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. And I would presume that Stephen might have been one of the 120 believers who waited for 10 days on the promise of Jesus as the Holy Ghost to fall upon them. You see, Jesus told his disciples after he was resurrected, but he prepared them even before he was crucified, that he is going to go away. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried on the third day. He's going to rise again. He's going to be with them for a short season after his resurrection. Then he's going to go and prepare a place for them, John 14 and 1. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Jesus said, in between the time that I go away and I come back, you're going to need power to evangelize, to live for me. When I was with you, Jesus said, I healed the sick, I raised the dead, I multiplied the loaves and fishes, I walked on the water, I calmed your fears. I'll be gone. But the devil won't be gone. I mean, can I, can I get a witness here? I mean, no, after you got saved, the devil wasn't gone. And you will face trials and storms and adversity in your walk with me. But I want you to tell everybody that you can about Jesus, about the cross, about the resurrection, about salvation, about deliverance. I want you to get everybody you can from the time I'm gone till I come back. It's been 2,000 years. Can I get an amen, church? But I want you to evangelize. I want you to be a, a missionary. I want you to be a teacher. You don't have to have credentials. You don't have to be a senior pastor. You don't have to be a bishop. You don't have to be whatever title that the clergy may have. Everybody should tell everybody else they can about the way Jesus changed their life. And he could change their, uh, someone else's also. Stephen was one of those that filled the Holy Ghost. And he started preaching and proclaiming in boldness. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. But the Jews got mad because they thought they killed this Jesus and buried him. And they tried to nullify all the claims 
of those who saw Jesus resurrected acting as though they had illusions or they had bad dreams or they're making it all up to perpetuate Christianity. So the Jews thought, well, you know, we thought we killed Jesus. We thought we buried him. We know we have. These people are just lying and they say that they saw him elsewhere. But then they couldn't shut the people up after the Holy Ghost came. Can I get an amen? When the Acts chapter 2 verse 1 on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one place and they were gathered all in one accord. And the Holy Spirit came down like Jesus promised because Jesus said, if you go and wait, I will give you power. He says in Acts 1 and 8, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. I'm going to give you power to live. Can I get an amen? And I want to tell you, you and I also are recipients of the power if we want it. We still need power. If the disciples need it, and they were 2,000 years ago removed from His coming, if the disciples faced demons and all kinds of temptations and opposition, you and I in the 21st century need the power of God to live above the world and our flesh and the devil all around us. Can you thank the Lord for His power that's available? Oh, I'm getting... So Stephen, full of the whole... I'm telling you, when I, when I was a teenager called to preach at age 19, I knew that, and first of all, I didn't want to be a preacher because I knew that you had to stand before people and talk. You had to be a, somebody who gave public address in front of people. And I never thought I had the nerve. I, I never thought I had the... I mean, I'd get, my palm would get sweaty, my mouth would go dry, my tongue would stick to the roof of my mouth when I had to give a poem in English class. You know I ain't going to be no preacher, can't even say a poem. Scared me. And one of the signs, among other signs, that I was called to preach was when God baptized me with the Holy Ghost. And took my old skinny little self back then. I know it's not now, okay? That may be prophetic to some of you, but it was that way. And, and, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And He put a boldness in me that I couldn't shut up and I still can't shut up about Jesus. How many, know what I, how many know when God took you out of darkness, put some light of the love of God in you, and now you'll have a different drum beat you're marching to? That was Stephen. Well, the more the Jews tried us to oppress and subvert and quiet the spread of Christianity, the more people like Stephen would come to the fore and spread it more. Now, in the early church, in the days after Pentecost, people who believed in Christ were not called Christians. That comes later. At a place called Antioch. They were first called people of the way. Capital W-A-Y. The way. When Stephen announced his testimony, testified about how you Jews killed the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen here? The Sanhedrin, the leaders who, 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 and the Romans who killed Jesus. And Stephen said, I'm not ashamed to tell you that you are waiting for a different Messiah. And the Messiah already came and you killed him. But he rose from the dead and he's gone up to heaven to prepare a place for us. And he sent the Holy Ghost. And I'm a witness of his power to change lives. It made him mad. How many know when you tell the truth, it'll make some people mad? And sometimes you hesitate from telling the truth. Act like you're ashamed because you want everybody to like you. I'm that way sometimes. Give me an amen, church. 
And, and so, so Stephen, they, they got so mad at him. He was, they were convicted by the word. And instead of wanting to hear the truth, they stuck their fingers in their ears. You read the, the verses before these verses. They stuck their finger in their ears so they would not be convicted about the truth. They took him out of the place where they were holding him by a mock trial. And they pushed him out of the house. They pushed him in the road. They took him to the edge of the city. It was a mob taking place now. Mob mentality. Mob judgment. They pushed him down on the ground. They took rocks and stones and whatever boulders they could carry. And they pelted this man while he was calling on Jesus in his last breath. They pelted him until all his life was gone. And there was a young man standing there holding the coats and the cloaks of the murderers in his hand. While he was cheering them on to kill a man who was loving Jesus. That's Saul. They cast him out of the city. Stephen, verse 58. Look on the screen. And they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Let me tell you something about the power of God and the gift of salvation. Not only will God forgive you of your sins, the power of God that leads to salvation, the gospel that leads to salvation, God will give you the power to forgive those who did you wrong and never asked for an apology, uh, never asked forgiveness. Can I get an amen? In the next verse, in, in, in the next verse, the Bible says, Stephen, while he was being pelted to death with stones and his life be his head bleeding and his nose bleeding and his body bleeding and blood coming out of his mouth and ears and they're still, because let me tell you, there's an anointing of hell from the devil that comes upon people who are determined on going the devil's way. There's an anointing from God called the Holy Ghost upon people who decide to live right and do right. I, I, even though hell come against you, God gives you an anointing to live above temptation and, and attacks and bad words. And Somebody says, I can't live for Christ. You get full of the Holy Ghost and you can live for Jesus Christ. Somebody who ever had power over your flesh, praise God. You don't have to go back and sleep with somebody out of marriage. You don't have to cuss everybody you see after you get saved. You don't have to lose your temper and wave at people with one finger, which is not the right finger. You get full of the Holy Ghost. You can live above the world, above the devil, above your flesh, because the Holy Ghost gives us the power to do what we cannot do on our own. Woo! Woo! Yeah, yeah. You might as well forget Golden Corral. We're right here at the house of God right now. Stephen says, Lord, do not lay this sin to their charge. Praying for his enemies while he dies. Don't even... How many know the Bible tells us all to pray for our enemies? And when he said pray for your enemies, he didn't mean kill them fast, real fast, God. Go ahead and laugh. I've done it. I've had those thoughts. So there's Saul. Here again, i got to hurry. Where is Saul next? He's in the next chapter, the first verse. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Consenting to Stephen's death. At that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, everybody say Saul. As for Saul, he made havoc. Of the church. 
Entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. There was anointing upon him from hell. Demonic anointing. There was fire in his eyes. Hated Christians and Christ and the gospel. He was a passionate Jew. He was a Judaizer. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. One of the most noted Jewish leader of his time. Paul perhaps was being trained as a leader in the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the governing body of the Jewish faith at that time. And, and he was zealous. He knew Saul was an educated man. He, he knew several languages. And he was well versed in, in science. And he was well versed in, in education. And he was zealous about Judaism and hated Christ and Christianity. So he made havoc of the church. Let me show you another place he appears. And that's why I told you to go to chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were of the way, Christianity, the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul saying, huh? we, we, we persecuted them here and drove them out of Jerusalem, these Christians, these Christ people, these Jesus people. And we spread them out. But everywhere they go, they can't shut their mouth about Jesus. I wish somebody say amen. amen. You know when the church is at its greatest ministry of evangelism and outreach? is when the devil comes in and tries to attack the body of Christ and the Word of God. Did anybody hear what I say? You are at your best as a witness if you're full of the Holy Ghost. When the devil comes in and attacks your marriage or your money or your mind, and the devil says, go get drunk, go, go and, and, and abuse your faith, and, and go and shoot up, or go and commit some kind of... Just because it feels good, do it because it'll make you feel better. Instead of you giving in to the devil, when all hell, so to speak, come against you, you are at your strongest when you get yourself in a prayer room, or you get yourself in your bedroom or you'll get yourself in your car or you'll get yourself in a hospital room and all you could do is count the ceiling tile but you're saying God I know that I can make it I know that I'm in your hands no matter what comes my way the devil tried to kill me last year but I'm alive he tried to tear up my marriage last month but we're still together my son or daughter may have been in jail or on drugs but I prayed and you sent your power and I'm not about to shut up. I'm not ashamed of your God. So I'll praise you anyhow. Somebody help me praise the Lord. You are at your best when the fires of the enemy burn. If you'll trust God and not be ashamed of him. Paul, he's on his way from Jerusalem to the next town called Damascus. Word come to Paul. Saul is his name right now. He'll be Paul later. Those Christians, you know, those people of the way, the Stephen crowd that we just killed, they're going to Damascus. They're starting a church there. I'll tell you what, said Saul. I'm going to get letters from the highest religious leaders of the Jews. I'm going to get me an entourage of men who are no sissies. We're going to load up our horses. We're going to ride from here, Jerusalem to Damascus. We're going to take our ropes and our chains 
We're going to put them in our packs on our animals. We're going to take whatever it takes. We'll either kill them in Damascus if they resist or bring them back here and kill them. Either way, we're going after them. And Acts 9 says, and verse 3, open your Bible, somebody, it ain't going to be on the screen. There will be a test. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And as he, Saul, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone from heaven, around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Saul looked up in the sky where the light came from, and he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. A- anybody hearing me? You got you to imagine this. Ooh, all of a sudden, now this man, he got fire in his eyes. He's got iron in his blood. He's riding his horse. They're going to Damascus. Come hell or high water, we are going to get every Christian we can and we're going to make a public spectacle of them like we did Stephen. And all of a sudden, a bright light shines brighter than the regular noonday light while he's riding. And he looks up and he hears a voice, Saul, Saul. I don't have that God, Charlton Heston, Moses voice, so I'm just doing my best. He looks up and the light is so bright and the voice is so powerful, it knocks him off his animal. But he's conscious enough to say, who are you, Lord? Because he knows this ain't no human stuff going on. Ooh, I just feel like something good is about to happen. Yeah, you need to invite your friends here. They can't get preaching, singing, all this other stuff from, one, from, from uh, regular preachers. All they get is three points and a poem, some dead preacher, like a polar bear in the pulpit, like he just got out of the freezer. Just, I built up Pastor Chad. I just thought, Pastor Jeff, I'd just take care of me a little bit. You know, well, some Sundays, it's just, it's not really not about you guys at all. I love you, every single one. I, I would do whatever I can for you. But sometimes, it's just selfish about me. I come to get some therapy. I don't mind using you. Hmm. Yeah, you can get your car. If you're still grouchy, you can get your car. I say, well, he had a good time. That's, that's okay. I'm glad you came. He had a good time. And I, again, I'm not, whoo, my, my, my wife is praying, real, real praying now. She, let him get back to his point, Jesus, please, God. And by the way, what is that point, Val? But anyhow, so, he's on the ground now. A light has shone. A voice has spoken, and the voice says, it is Jesus. It is Jesus whom you are persecuting, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, you've you got to understand that culture in that time, what the word goads mean. And some of you do, and I don't want to talk under your level of intelligence, but let me just be a teacher. The goad, G-O-A-D, or pricks, P-R-I-C-K-S, otherwise known, was an instrument used from the branch of a tree like a shepherd's pole, without the hook perhaps, a strong, stout piece of lumber that you could hold in your hand. And one end, it was sharpened and cut like you would pencil. You would do a pencil uh, 
and the lead, sharpening it so you get exposure to the lead, a point. You, you follow me thinking now? Imagine that that's a gold shepherds and herdsmen would have them. Because animals like a mule or a donkey or a camel or other animals would not want to be led or driven. So they would come with these sharp goads, maybe six, seven feet long, pencil points, sharp at the end. And they would goad, goad the animals. And the animals think, you know, they say, you know what, I'm tired of this goad. I think I'll just get going. (laughs) That was original with me. I can see I have to work on it some. And the, the animals would not kick against the goads because it would cut their flesh and make them bleed and they would suffer. So just a nudge would make them move on. And what Jesus is saying, Saul, you are persecuting me. Do you know who you are up against? I don't just have goads that you can't kick against. I am God. And I could kill you, Saul, if I wanted to, because you are the number one enemy right now of the Christian church. Did I hear a witness from anybody? The number one persecutor of Christians everywhere in the book of Acts prior to his conversion is Saul. And if I wanted to, Saul... I could just kill you right now, right here, and raise me up an evangelist and move on and spread the gospel. I don't need you, Saul. I can get rid of you better than you got rid of Stephen and everybody else. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in verse number 6, are you there? Say amen. So he saw, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Look at verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless. Wow, I would be too. This gold stuff and all, I, I think I'll just mind my own business. You know, this is time to say, no, I wasn't even traveling with him. Uh, we were just going the same way we ran into each other. Because when you run into a power that could kill everybody because they come against the power of God, but he's merciful, you're going to be begging and pleading. They were speechless. This is what the Bible says. Look at verse 7. Hearing the voice, but not seeing anyone. Then Saul arose, verse 8, from the ground. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and ate and drank nothing. I, I need to hurry here. I'm trying to get you to this place of why a man could say what he said about I am not ashamed of the gospel. A man who was trying to wipe out the gospel. He goes into Damascus and God's got his attention. And I would to God that he wouldn't have to use drastic measures on you and I to get our attention. God's not interested in killing anybody. He's interested in our obedience so we can get blessed. For three days and nights he sequesters himself in a in a room. Can we look further in verse 10? Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And, and, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to Ananias, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Pause. Look here just a minute. Here's how God works with the power of the gospel. You don't get saved by accident. Give me an amen. I just happened on a church and I got saved. 
I thought I was at the Baptist church, but I ended up on them holy rollers. And, and, I, and, and I really didn't intend to go in, but they kept pushing me, pushing me. Next thing you know, I was at the altar, and they thought I was repenting, so I went ahead, and it feels good. You don't get saved like that, happenstance. We don't throw pixie dust on you and you start, can I get an amen? So those of you sitting in the back, it's safe up here in the front, just teasing. God put, put Saul in a, a dress in Damascus on a street named Straight. I feel a sermon coming on. You want to know how to get to heaven? Turn right and go straight. Y'all didn't hear that? He's three days. And I will tell you something. When you lose your sight, God doesn't kill you for killing his people. You're going to be praying a lot. He don't eat bread. He don't drink water. He don't have guests. The room is dark. And he's saying, oh, God. Oh, God, have mercy. I'm ashamed. You all hearing me now. I'm ashamed for killing your people. I feel so, amen. I'm ashamed for standing there in Stephen and watching the people beat him at rocks. I'm ashamed. I'm, ash- I- I'm also amazed that you hadn't killed me. I'm amazed that you hadn't thrown me to the lions. Can, can I get it? I'm ashamed. Let me tell you something. The only thing you'll be ashamed of is, is, is what you did before you came to Christ. But you won't be ashamed if you got through religion, holy and righteous and washed in the blood of the Lamb. You will never be, you will never, if you were really saved, you won't have regrets of, I wish I had one more fix before I got saved. I wish I had one more night of wild sex before I got saved. Or I wish I had one more drunk spell before. If, that ain't, if you have that in your heart, you probably ain't never got saved. Because old things. Things are passed away. All things have become new. After you got saved, the only wish you have is I wish I'd never done it. I wish I'd never hurt my mama. I wish I'd never hurt my daddy. I wish I'd never embarrassed my family. I wish I got saved when I was younger so I wouldn't have so many scars. Somebody glad God rescued you in spite of it? Give him praise. He's praying. And Ananias is down in another street in Damascus. He's praying. He's a man of God. And God says, I want you to go to Saul. He's down on Straight Street. You tell him something I want you to tell him. And and, and then I says, wait, wait, just a minute. Jesus. This is the Saul whose title is Saul of Tarshish. Isn't this the same Saul, Lord, that we got word from Jerusalem? And then I was talking to God. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying this. If he's human, he's going to be talking to God. That is the killer, murderer of Christians, Saul? Saul was a common name, so there may have been 10, 20, or 30 Sauls in Jerusalem. So he was called Saul of Tarshish. It's like Alan may be a common name. So if it didn't have a surname, he could call me Alan of Trinidad. That's where I'm from, Trinidad. Just had to drop that in, but... This is the Saul. They're killing people. Killing Christians. Now, Lord, I'll do anything for you. Uh, God, I don't want to sing in the choir, but I'll sing. I'll do that for you. I don't want to be an usher, but I'll do that for you. Uh, God, I, I don't want to be in the parking and the security. I, I don't work with, with, with teens. I don't want to go to the nursing home or the hospital or this place to get me depressed. But God, because you've done so much for me, I just do anything for you. Anything for you. 
but go and pray for Saul. Because he's looking to kill people. How many know all of us have been there somewhere along the way? You know? He goes, I'm hurrying. And he prays. God has sent me here, he said. Look at verse number 15. Verse 15, Acts 9, if you dare say amen. But the Lord said to him, telling Ananias, go. For he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Listen, look, look at me just a minute. Ananias is given courage by the Holy Ghost. He goes to the street called Straight. The Holy Ghost shows him exactly, exactly where Saul was. He like he had a GPS device. Let me tell you, you don't get saved by chance. Somebody who called you just in time was commissioned by the Holy Ghost to call you. Somebody who sent the text just in time before you sinned and, and, and loved you. The Holy Ghost sent. Can I get an amen? You, you, none, none of us are saved by our own righteousness. None of us are saved by our own good works. None, it is by the power of God who orchestrates the people, the place, the time, and the day for your redemption. Ananias lays his hands on him, prays over him, and scales fall off his eyes. And his sight comes back. Can I get an amen, somebody? And then the Bible says, I like this part because I can't say enough about this. Verse number 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received the sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. I wish somebody would say, praise the Lord. And, and, and here's what, and not, not in the same context here, God filled him. As you read on about God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He was anointed by demons to kill Christians. Now he's going to be anointed by God to save sinners. Don't tell me you can't live for God. Don't tell me you've got to be quiet about the gospel in this politically correct America. This, this same man, he starts out his ministry from Damascus. Given a few weeks and a few months, he's preaching the gospel in, in Jerusalem. The same Christian killer. Can I get an amen here? And, and, and he, he, he goes about... Killing Christians before, and God says in the in between from the time he got saved on a street called Straight, and a few months later he's baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he starts preaching. The folks say, you know what? Is that the same Saul whose name is now Paul? Because not only sometimes will God change you on the outside, he'll change everything about you. If your name was a bad name in people's mouth or in, the, in your ear, pardon me, if your name brought about confusion and destruction and pain, if God needs to... He'll not only change your heart, He'll change your name and your address and your attitude and your outlook and your demeanor. So folks don't run from you. They run to you because you're full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. God won't just do plastic surgery. Help me hear somebody. God will do an extreme makeover inside and out. Somebody help me praise the Holy Ghost. That's, I am, and this man, he, he goes everywhere, and he preaches, and he teaches. The one who pelted is now being pelted. The one who cussed at Jesus is now being cussed at. Anybody hearing me? The one who put people in jail for Jesus is being thrown in jail for Jesus. How do you know, Pastor? He was imprisoned in a city called Philippi. He was chased out of a city called Thessalonica. He was smuggled out of Damascus and Berea 
two different times because they were coming to kill the boy and they let him out of the city through a window in the wall that guarded the whole city and a basket and said, run for your life. They're coming to kill you. This is the same man who was a killer. And now he's, he's, he's running for his life because he's got Jesus with him. Anybody hear me? This is the same man who was laughed at in Athens. He was considered a fool at Corinth. He was declared a blasphemer and a lawbreaker in the city of Jerusalem. He was stoned and left for dead in a city called Lystra. My younger sister... Her name is Lystra. Yeah. All I know about the name Lystra is right here. And I think, what are you thinking, Mom and Dad, naming our sister Lystra? All I think about is somebody getting stoned. And I don't mean. But I think my mom and dad made the right choice because it wasn't about the stoning of Paul. It was about they left him for dead and God raised him up and sent him back on his way. And everywhere he goes, he cannot be shut up. He can't be locked up. He can't be silenced. He, if they put him in jail, he prays and an earthquake comes down and sets him free. If he gets in a storm, God calms the waves. If he gets on an island and a snake come out of the firewood and bite him, a poisonous snake, and the devil wants to kill him, he ends up evangelizing the whole island because here is a man who's had a 180 degree turn around by the power of God and he was wild for the devil but now he's wild he says I am not ashamed of the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is the power of God anybody hear me praise the Lord That's why he could say what he said. God could have killed me, but he let me live. I'm not ashamed. Which one of us cannot testify that somewhere from my journey of salvation to where we are right now, we've been ashamed looking back of some places when we should have spoke up and we didn't. Help me out here, church. You know what bothers me? What bothers me is everything weird and wild and perverted is coming out of the closets and Christians are running for a closet. Just thought I'd let you in on that. Yeah. Whoever said that when you get saved, everybody going to like you? The people you used to hang with and you got stoned with this kind wants to go out again and get stoned again. And you are not living that way anymore. Cussed with. Shoot up with. Snort with. Then all of a sudden you said, I don't do that anymore, but I want to tell you about Jesus. And you have your Jesus, leave me alone. And so we, we because we, we want to be accepted in circles. Because now we make a little more money than we used to. Have a little more education than we used to have. Move to the other side, or from the other side of the track to the nicer neighborhood. Now we got a nicer car, a nicer house. Wear a little nicer clothes. Have a little designer this or that. Now we got a little college degree here. We got, we, we're in management now. So in order to mix and mingle with everybody, sometimes the Holy Ghost says, now is the time to speak up. Now is the time to testify. Now is the time to rebuke that prophet. 
profanity in the name of the Lord. Now is the time to return that text message or that email and say, it is in bad taste. Please don't send me anymore. Can I, can I get an amen? Now, now is the time for you to say, I don't drink. I don't cuss anymore. I'm not interested in looking at any lewd pictures. I, 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 God's given us a window so we will not be ashamed after all God's done for us. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you live in a better house and you drive a better car and you dress in nicer clothes and you have a better education. None of those things saved your soul. It is Jesus who died in my place. It is Jesus who took my pain, my suffering, my penalty. Nobody died for me but Jesus. He deserves my allegiance. Therefore, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear me. I, I, every bit of junk is coming out of the closet. We are being fed, whether we like it or not, in the TV, on the radio, on the internet, on public billboards, on bumper stickers, sewage and garbage from hell. Some boys just go around like, I guess this must be the sign of the time. And I should just be quiet, waiting for the rapture. I don't mean to be unkind. I just want you to understand that I'm not a generic preacher. I'm going to stand before God one day. And He's going to call me to task on October 14, 2012, when He plays the video and says, Now, there was a moment you could have stood up for me. But you're building a building and you wanted some more money, so you stayed away from that. I'm a preacher. I know what I'm talking about. You know what happens if I can't pay for that building? God will pay for it. <laughs> i got 27 years of history with God. I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm just trying to tell you I'm not ashamed. I'm looking, I'm with my wife on Friday, day before last. We are at a doctor's appointment. And I so covet and thank you for your prayers for Valerie. You know her fire and her passion, but she's been in a season of trial and suffering with her eyes. So she went back for her second treatment, which involves shots around her eyes and on her eyelid. We are waiting in the waiting room there in Atlanta. 11 o'clock, the view comes on. It's one of those anti-God, anti-Christian, <clears throat> even anti-American shows sometimes. <clears throat> and uh, on Fridays, they have a guy come in. They call it Guy Days because it's all women, you know. It's Whoopi and the lady beside her who has her own show, Joy Behart. Go ahead and say it. I saw it. I saw the view. Help me out. <laughs> Two or three other women, including one of America's most liberal newscaster, Barbara Waters. They have Sam Champion as the guest that Friday. We sit in the lobby area now. The TV's on. For uh, I got a book I'm reading from. It's called I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel, written by 
John MacArthur bought it in 1993. I'm preparing for this message. Sam Champion sits in the center chair and the two other women, two here and two here. He is ABC Good Morning America weather man. You ever seen him? It's, it's okay, yeah. I see him all over at natural disasters. Very, very articulate. Very comely, uh, humorous, and, but also knows how to take his job seriously about the weather. So, Whoopi, from whom I did not get my whoop glory. <laughs> the one movie I love that she did is uh, the one, yeah, Sister Act. I like that movie, boy. <laughs> Whoopi says to Sam Champion, oh, don't fall asleep on me now. I'm a little quiet, but you know how you all are. We hear that congratulations is in order. You're engaged. And I'm thinking, I hadn't heard that. Wow. You know, I didn't even know he wasn't even married. And so she's sitting beside me. We're looking. And then they got this, these multi-screens, you know, got screen here, screen there. And then behind them, there's Sam in the middle, the ladies here, and a big screen behind him. And there's a picture of he and his betrothed. He and he, two he's. And I said to my wife, oh, my goodness. I was devastatedly disappointed when Anderson Cooper, I discovered that he was involved in a homosexual relationship. Now, I'm preaching here, and I don't want you to think I'm targeting homosexuals alone. Adultery is a sin. Fornication is a sin. Lying, cheating, cussing, swearing. Sin, racial prejudice is sin. But I'm lifting this up because it's being lifted up for us and pushed down us, whether we want it or not. Okay? And they are celebrating this man, Sam Champion. I, I am not exploiting you because I have the mic and you are the audience. I'm telling you my heart. Okay? Because there's some things I may not know about the Bible I'm not very clear about, and I'm studying. I've read the Bible through 26 times. So some of it I do know about. And this I know, that sin by any name is sin. And I don't care if you're Sam Champion, Barack Obama, Whoopi Goldberg, Mitt Romney, Miss Dr. Phil... Oh, Alan Matura, if you live inconsistent with this book, and you should speak up when it speaks up, you are ashamed if you call yourself a Christian, or you're probably not a Christian at all. Sam Champion said, we didn't know which one of us would ask each other first to marry. It made me very sick. As other things that should make us sick in the sense of not hating Sam Champion. I'm trying to qualify it. But let, let me tell you this. That's why I'm preaching this series of sermons on counterfeit Christianity. Okay? I, I know what is at stake. It's our soul. It makes no difference who the president is. Democrat, Republican, Obama, or Romney. The difference is 
who you and I have our allegiance to and what we have our allegiance to that will take us from this life into eternal life. Please, I, I tell you that you will have a chance. I am not going to publicly endorse any politician, but I will preach the gospel like I've been doing for 27 years. And I will tell you that you will have a chance like I will when I go to the polls to prove whether or not I am ashamed of the gospel. You won't just have a chance in your car with the carpool. Every day. You understand? I'm saying to you that what is at stake here is men and women who call themselves Christians. Who are letting the world roll us over like a steamroller. And running to the closet. When we should be standing up like Paul. And saying... I ain't telling you about somebody else's salvation. I'm telling you about mine. That's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Did anybody hear me? Paul says, I'm not preaching somebody else's Billy Graham's salvation. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. I'm not preaching John Hagee's salvation, Joyce Meyer's salvation, how they got saved. I'm telling you, I used to kill Christians and God could have killed me. And he saved me and gave me a ministry. And I've traveled all over the known world sharing this gospel. And God has changed my life and therefore I am not ashamed of the gospel. Stand, stand please. Oh, Jesus. If you think I've put something on you, I have. But it isn't me. It's God. It's God. And I'm telling you. And I don't, I don't want you to couch this lesson in politics. I want you to couch it in forgiveness. I want you to couch this lesson on where do I stand with you? Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in the midst of this wicked and perverse generation, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Bow your heads, please. Father, I thank you for knowing what you've known about me in my life. And choosing to call me to preach and turning me around and saving me, none of which I am worthy. Oh God, I thank you that the same is true for everybody else here, whether they are preacher or not. Knowing what darkness we were in, you shone your light on us. We might not have been on the road riding an animal to another city when you spoke. But we know you spoke. And you've saved us. When we deserved death, you gave us life. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder to whose drumbeat would you consider yourself marching today? And on whose side do you stand? 
the one who pelts the stones, the ones who laugh and mock. And you don't have to pelt stones and laugh and mock. We can just be silent and not say anything. And in most cases, when it comes to defending the gospel, silence is an approval of the wrong instead of the right. And I'm asking you today, when it's all said and done, will the Lord be able to say, I know you. You are mine. You stood up and stood out for me. And now enter in to the joys of my salvation. If you know that you're not ready, if you know you're not saved, if you've known you've not made your peace with God, and you say, Pastor, I want the boldness to step out and change my destiny because of Jesus. Raise your hand if that's you, and I'll pray for you right here from this pulpit. Thank you. I'm going to beg you. It's going to be your decision. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Hold it up. Just one, two, three, four. Put it down if you will. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Oh, Jesus. Christians, would you just whisper a prayer? I, I really don't always know what direction to go in the altar call. I really don't. Sometimes I just kind of feeling my way as I go. I'm not lost, but I'm just trying to look for a way that is most maximum, maximum good. I know what time it is. I know it's past lunchtime. But just, just whisper a prayer, Christians. Don't let this message just go like blowing in the wind. Help me out here, would you? Oh, God. Oh, Father. And for those of us that needed to speak up and haven't. Oh, God, for those of us that, that needed to be salt and light and have not been. For those of us who have been ashamed. I ask you, God, to give us the Holy Ghost that we may be more courageous, more vocal. Oh, God, help us to be more, more visible. Help us not to run to hide in the closet. But let us run to the cross and let us run in the power of the Holy Ghost. You say, Pastor Matura, I'm one of those that I should have spoke up sooner and I need more power to do it right now. I want to make up for lost time to be a better witness. Raise your hand if that would be you. I want to be a better witness. I'm saved, but I need more power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lift both of your hands all over this church. Repeat this prayer after me, everybody, out loud. Don't do it just because I ask you to. And if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But all of us are going to pray the sinner's prayer together. And if you're willing, you pray it out loud after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for another chance. I do not deserve another chance. You could have killed me knowing what you know about what I was. And who I've been, you could have killed me. But thank you, Jesus, that you're not in the killing business. You're in the saving business. And today, Jesus, I confess that you are the Son of God. You are the Savior who died on Calvary. Applied your blood to my sins. Today, I confess you. As Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Come into every area. Of my life. Wash away all my sins. Make me a new creation. I confess. Jesus is Lord. Fill me. With the Holy Ghost. Give me. Boldness. Give me. The courage. To stand. And declare. I am not ashamed. Of the gospel. Of the Lord. For it is the power of God. To salvation. To everyone who believes. I believe. And therefore I am saved. Amen. Come on. Give him praise.
Come on, come on, give him praise. Give it all my short Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My, 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 come prayer team, very quick. I'm running out of time. I've already run out of time. But I'm just not ashamed, you see. Oh, God, would you give us a sore log for a backbone? Would you give us fire in our bosom? Would you give us iron in our claw? Would you give us somebody, somewhere, who says, I am not ashamed of Jesus? Oh, help me, Jesus. I bless your name. Now, this power is more than salvation. If you need healing, somebody's waiting for you to pray with you when they start singing. If you need a miracle for your marriage, for your money, for your mind, the power that saves you is the power that will keep you. If you're facing a storm, a trial, a hard time, if you're lonely, if you're on medication and it has side effects that's disturbing to you and you want God to heal you, before you leave, you don't have to leave with baggage. Somebody is waiting here to pray for you. But before you leave, sing, my brother. We've got to sing a verse or two to give God praise before we go. Lift it up, lift it up, lift it up.